0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to inside the tunnel. We are back for another season. This is season three. We have a new cast of characters on this podcast tonight. We brought in the whole squad. It's a very special introductory episode into the 2021 season. My name is Matei Siss, joined by Doug Bowman, Evan Watkins, and our new host, Andrew Alex. Andrew comes from ESPN Blacksburg. He also does other podcasts in the Virginia Tech space. Andrew, what's going on, man? Welcome to Inside the Tunnel as the new host.
1: Matei, thank you so much, man. Really, really happy to be here. Of course, with everything I've done with ESPN Blacksburg over the years, you got to do a good amount of show prep. And I've always looked to VT Scoop 24-7 Sports, your guys' work, as really solid show prep to preview opponents, see what's going on within the program, recruiting, in-season, you name it. One thing I will say, though, my name is pronounced Andrew Alex, but I'll give you a pass because I thought your name was Matej for the last, I don't know, three years?
0: That—that <laughs> <laughs> That is totally fair. That is totally fair. I'm sorry I botched it. <laughs> no worries. They botched it at my graduation at Tech,
1: so it's all good it's all good but you' yeah, happy to be here guys looking forward to doing a great season of podcasting with you
0: and this is exactly why we brought him on that the energy the he's, voice he's, the everything it just it makes better everything better I know and that's exactly why we were looking for a host I couldn't do it anymore so Andrew we're so happy to have you here let's uh let's kick it around the circle here doug what's going on with you how are you doing man
2: I think Andrew's supposed to be asking people that, but... um it's my honestly, last episode is hosting. <laughs> I'm good, uh, you know, over here in Richmond, getting ready for football season, and uh, still living the
0: dream, I'd say. Amazing, amazing. And Evan, how about you? Coming back on for the podcast.
3: I'm wondering where the rest of Doug's beard is. It looks a little thinner than it used to look. It's not as it's not as full. It's not as big. Just, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a little at all.
2: The, the you know it was acceptable. I feel like for like the first six or eight months of COVID to just let everything go, but then we had to rein it back in.
3: Yeah, I got that professional look going on now. Everything, everything's good here. Just uh, rocking and rolling with BT Scoop. So uh, yeah, Matei, what's going on?
0: Not much. I'm happy to get into the swing of things. I was happy that Media Day came the other day, and we were able to hear from a lot of different players and you know see the Hokey Sports site updated, the little things that get you prepared for the season. I'm ready to spit out some predictions. I'm ready to get this podcast rolling. There's, there's a lot to look forward to after a very, very slow offseason. Um, but with all that being said, I'm going to officially retire as the Inside the Tunnel host. And I'm going to hand things over to Andrew. I'm going to give him the keys. Andrew, take it away, man. This is, this is all you now.
1: Wow, man, you know, and I couldn't be more appreciative of that proverbial passing of the torch from the great Matei, that's how it's pronounced, sis. But guys, it's so different and so crazy this year because I feel like last year in the world of Virginia Tech football, the big question was, is this season actually going to happen? How is it going to operate? And we don't have those same issues that we do surrounding fall camp. The fact that you have testing and half the team sitting out for weeks at a time it seems like for the first time under Justin Hamilton, now for Justin Fuentes, as some would call it sarcastically year two, we're really looking deeper into that tenure. We have offseason storylines. There's certainty and there's uncertainty. There's questions that we have and there's knowns that we know. So I wanna ask you guys, and we can start with you Mate, what's the biggest uncertainty that you have surrounding this Virginia Tech football team as fall camp kicks off here in 2021? I think the the
0: number one position you have to look at is quarterback. And we all know Braxton Burmeister. He's getting all the praise for being quarterback one. It's the first offseason in a while where we actually know who the starting quarterback is going to be for week one. But beyond him, there's not a lot known for quarterback number two. If anything happens to Braxton Burmeister, you know, who's going to be the number two guy? Is it going to be Knox Kadom? Who knows? But especially when you look at Braxton Burmeister. He was able to play in multiple games last year, but hurting or breaking some of his toes and the durability questions linger. And we'll see because in a Brad Cornelson offense, you're asking a lot of the quarterback, especially in the run game, running between the tackles too. Apparently he's gained 15 pounds of mass, um, but still, you know, at 6'2 and 215 pounds, is that enough to last for the entire season. Is there going to be different packages for Connor Bulmeric? Is there going to be Knox Kadum coming in at certain points? I don't know. So definitely the depth at quarterback establishing the number two guy, I think will be a major priority. And it's tough when you have Braxton Burmeister taking most of the reps.
1: I, I certainly agree, Matei. And that's a question that I think a lot of Virginia Tech football fans have had since we saw Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson exit at the end of the 2020 season. Now it's night and day, right? Because last year it was the spoils of the riches. You had three quarterbacks that you knew could reasonably play at the FBS division one power five level. And now you have a guy in Knox Katem who quite frankly, I don't think many Virginia Tech fans, the day he signed when he entered that quarterback room ever expected him to take a meaningful snap for the Hokies. But here we are a couple of years later and in an offense where the quarterback's going to get hit time and time again, he is option number two. If a guy who was injured multiple times last year and like a number of times in his career, going back to Oregon goes down once again. So a lot of people would have liked them to attack the transfer portal in a period of time where people are, especially the quarterback position are transferring for playing time and Burmeister was established as that number one guy. They couldn't make that move, and they're stuck with the guys in the room that they had. So, yeah, how that quarterback battle plays out is going to be one of the, if not the biggest, storyline for Virginia Tech fans who, knowing Fuente's offense, knowing the beating that those quarterbacks take, might just be holding their breath all season long. Doug, I want to ask you, though. Burmeister is a certainty. His backup is an uncertainty. His number one target at tight end now, that's, that's kind of baked into the cake right now. What do you got to say about James Mitchell?
2: He's going to be, you know, probably the focal point of the offense. If you talk about him, Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson as being the top three guys, I think Mitchell's probably probably a, a step even above Turner and Robinson at this point. You know, he tacked on, I think, 10 to 15 pounds. He wants to get more ready to play in the NFL as the traditional tight end, but I think he's you're definitely going to see him line up all over the field, whether it's as a traditional tight end, in the slot, out wide, um, that's a guy that, you know, Virginia Tech pretty much has to make him um, the focal point of, of opposing defenses every week. He's he's the most talented guy on the field, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the job for for Brad Cornelson and Justin Fuente this year is to get him the ball as much as they can. Um, I'm not going to put him in the same category as the Kyle Pitts from Florida last year, but you know, the usage for Virginia Tech to be as successful as they want to be, the usage has to be, you know, at that level. And Mitchell's the guy that they've got to get the ball to. You know, I don't know how many touches a game he needs, but it's got to be more than anybody
1: else, I'd say. We know Burmeister's going to be the quarterback. Do you have doubts there?
2: Yeah, I, 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 I think he's a capable quarterback. I think when you're talking about uncertainty with Burmeister, it's just how— it's what the ceiling is of Virginia Tech this year. You know, they've been a five win team under Justin Fuente, they've been an eight win team. You gotta go you gotta go back to his first team now to get to anything higher than um to eight wins. And for me, the question with Burmeister after you know getting injured at Oregon, getting injured last year, now he's taken the reins, as really the only quarterback. How healthy can he be and how how good is he throwing the ball? I think that's going to determine whether Virginia Tech is, you know, an eight, maybe nine win team or like another five and six team that um, disappoints. So I think as far as uncertainty of the quarterback position, it's, it's about Burmeister's ceiling, I think.
1: So I kind of want to go around the room with this one because this one interests me. Let's assume health for Burmeister all season. I know it's college football and I know that Virginia Tech – runs the offense that they run. And I know that Burmeister has been hurt before, but we're going to assume health for him all season long. What does that ceiling and floor look like for him?
2: You know, I think he's, I think, I think what's really going to help him assuming he reaches his ceiling would be, you know, the last nine months or so as quarterback one all season long. Virginia Tech hasn't had that since, uh, Josh Jackson, maybe going into 2017, it's always been an open quarterback position, splitting reps all through the spring and into the summer and into the fall even. And, you know, for a guy like Burmeister who has to, who obviously needed to develop as a passer from where he was last year, I think that could be huge for him ceiling. You know, I think he could be a top half of the ACC quarterback if, if he's going to, you know, his, his running ability is clearly a, um, a plus I don't think Virginia Tech is going to design many runs from him, but I also don't think they're going to be able to stop him from making plays with his legs just by scrambling. So, you know, I think if he can come along as a, as a passer and, and get the ball to, you know, Mitchell and Robinson and Turner, um, you know, I think he could be a top half in ACC type quarterback, uh, but you know, I'm not confident he's going to do that.
1: It's definitely interesting because we saw night and day with Burmeister last year. Now, granted, they did win a lot of the games that he started. Now, you get going with that NC State game. They beat Duke. But I think that from a pure quarterback play perspective, and that's not even taking into account what he can do on his feet, he looked much better at the end of the year against Clemson and UVA than he did at times against Duke, where we saw him struggle as a passer. So Matei and Evan. Are you more discouraged by what you saw at the beginning of the season, or encouraged by the improvement that you saw at the end for Burmeister?
3: I'm I'm more encouraged by what I saw at the end. I think uh, not only did we kind of see him play in his element, we saw him. I mean, Clemson he kind of split some time um, you know, with with Hinden, but UVA we saw that that was his that was his team, um, which was probably the writing on the wall for Hinden leaving Virginia Tech, but. You know, I think that was his team. That was his the the scheme that they developed for him. And I think that, uh, you know, we saw him execute it. I don't think that you could have gone out and, and scripted up a better day for him. Is he going to be a guy that's going to go out and throw the ball 45 times in a game and win it with his arm? Probably not. Uh, but the big thing for him is going to be, uh, you know, one, can he stretch the field? Do they have somebody to stretch the field? You know, can... Uh, Can Jaden Payout stay healthy enough to be a deep threat with his speed? And can Braxton hit him? Uh, And and what are they going to do in the run game that's not Braxton Burmeister? You know, if they can figure out those two aspects, you know, you can think and dunk with this guy and you can run the RPO and you can win some football games. I mean, if it's a one off game that you need to win, I think he gives you a good chance to do it. He's elusive. He's. He's tough to game plan for because he can make plays with his arm and with his legs. But Virginia Tech needs a guy that can take the top off. They need to be able to get some down uh, downfield threats. Uh, they need to be able to complete some of those attempts because if not, you're just going to stack the box and it's going to be Braxton and maybe Jalen Holston, Raheem Blackshear, uh, somebody running against a loaded front, and, and that's just not going to end well. So I think Braxton is. I mean, he is what he is. He's a very elusive college quarterback. You know, he's not the prototypical NFL guy, but he can make some plays, but he's going to have to be able to spread the ball around to keep a defense honest. If they decide that, you know, defenses decide that he uh, cannot beat them with his arm, they're just going to load the box and take away the run, and, and Virginia Tech will be very unsuccessful in that situation. So... You know, that's where I think that uh, I think that he's going to be the leader of the offense, obviously, but they have to scheme some ways to get him to use his feet, but develop him as a passer as the year goes on. Uh, I think we saw a little bit of that in the Clemson game, and that was encouraging
1: to me. piggybacking off your point with the running game, I look at the traditional running game for Virginia Tech this year as the biggest question mark on the offensive side of the ball. Now, With Justin Fuente, it's always been a running back by committee kind of deal. And with the insertion of Khalil Herbert, who was an experienced transfer into the lineup, I think we saw the closest thing to a bell cow running back that we've had in the Justin Fuente era. I think that Khalil Herbert was honestly the best running back that Virginia Tech has had since David Wilson. But alas, he plays for the Chicago Bears now, and you're left with what you have. Is Jalen Holston a three down running back or is he going to be the thunder to Raheem Blackshear's Lightning? Blackshear, who came in later in the year out of the transfer portal, the COVID situation with the interesting camp and he ended up getting COVID himself and he didn't seem to come back. Will he live up to the hype that he brought in coming out of Rutgers? And on the other side, you got a guy like Keshawn King. He came in as a true freshman and was impactful, but it seems like his size on the field and then things off the field have really prevented him from being a, a real contributor to this team, at least last season. Can he bring you that consistency on and off the field that allows him to be a real contributor? And, and then what about Marco Lee? Does he factor into the equation? You got to, di- I wouldn't say a different offensive line, but you have an offensive line that obviously lacks a first round draft pick in Christian Darrisaw and a guy in Doug Nester that. I think we'll eventually join Derrissaw in the NFL, whether he's a first round pick or a seventh round pick. I do, I think he has the frame to be there. So how, how do you fill in those gaps? The traditional running game though, partially because of Herbert and partially because of those studs that you had up front was ultra successful last year at times. Can they even scratch the surface of what they did? That's my biggest worry.
3: You can sign me up all on the Mar- Marco Lee hype train. Um, I think I love everything about that guy. Now, will it pan out? I don't know, uh, but Juco guy checks a box for me. Uh, he's he's built like a bowling ball. He he could kill me with his biceps. He's low to the ground. He runs hard. Uh, I think there's a lot to like there. Um, you know, I'm I I agree with Jalen Holston. The big question I've had with him is, can he take that next step? Uh, you know, we saw. We saw a different Jalen Holston in spurts last year, and I think that was a major credit to the time he spent with Khalil. Uh, you know, we heard throughout the whole season, Khalil was working with the running backs in the film room. Uh, he was working with them on the, uh, on the practice field, his vision, his patience. And we saw that with, uh, with a few of the guys last year, but really with Holston. It was, there was a run he had against UVA. I think it was a stretch play to his left. And it looked like it was, you know, an old Jalen Holston run would have been a two-yard, a two-yard loss, uh, but he stiff-armed the uh, the defender, got him down on the dirt, turned the corner, picked up a first down. We haven't seen that from him in the past, and I think that was a major credit to what he learned from Khalil. So I think that that if he can continue taking those steps, and if he can continue to to grow into the, the into the the position, into the uh, the vision and the patience that Khalil showed. I think he can be a good player. I think I think you're right with with black the questions about Blackshear and King. You know, there were some things out of their control last year that maybe slowed them down. Obviously, being behind Khalil Herbert also slowed them down with their development and their abilities. But Blackshear has shown on the D one level that he could play. I mean, he he was very elusive very uh athletically gifted at Rutgers and I that stuff doesn't go away you don't lose that when you transfer so I fully expect him to be an x-factor in some capacity for Virginia Tech now whether did he get more reps in the slot than he gets at running back I don't know but he's worked at both you put him in a phone booth I think he's going to win that battle so I think you know if you get him in the slot If he can run a decent route tree, I think you can scheme him open and and look for chunk yardage out of that. Uh, And then Keyshawn King, it's, you know, Justin Fuente mentioned it a few weeks ago. We've been talking about it for about two years is consistency. He has to be consistent every day. He needs to be the same guy day in and day out. And he's got a bright future. He's put on some weight. Uh, He probably needs to continue to do that. He's not a big guy. He's not going to be somebody that gets to that 215, 220 pound range, but if he can just get to 200 uh, and, and be consistent every day, I think he's got a bright future. So it, it might be running back by committee, but I think they have at least four guys at the top. Then you add in Kenji Christian, who also might be one of those guys that's too good to keep off the field. Uh, you, you have a formidable group there. Uh, we'll see if it's running back by committee or if, if one person really steps up and takes it. I think last year would have been by committee if Khalil really just didn't, didn't take off. Uh, You know, that first game, uh, I think he really solidified his future at Virginia Tech for the year. And If somebody does that this year, more power to him. If not, I think we'll see a committee approach.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I mentioned the O-line a little bit before, and kind of looking at our prep sheet right now, the offensive line is on different sides of the certainty-uncertainty spectrum for Matei and Duck. So I'll ask Matei first, you got questions about the right tackle position, and Looking at the depth chart as it stands right now, just projecting, that's the biggest question mark. How do you think that position pans out?
0: It's so difficult to try to predict what Vance Weiss is going to do rolling out for week one. I feel like so many times people have ideas, you know, Brian Hudson, who has played center, where's he going to end up? All of a sudden, you know, he was coming into Virginia Tech as a tackle prospect, and then all of a sudden he's moving around the offensive line. But when you look at right tackle for Virginia Tech, I think there has to be a huge question mark there. I know both you and Evan will say that you know there's a lot of praise for Tyrell Smith that looks to be the shoe in for the right the starting right tackle. But at the ACC level, with how many quality pass rushers there are, a guy that is primarily played on special teams for the last 14 seasons and Ooh. you know stands at six foot three and 300 pounds just from a physical stature alone who knows if he's able to accept that challenge and play every down i would love to be to to see a guy like silas DeZanzi playing out there you know at six five and three hundred and twenty five pounds um we'll see if he can be consistent enough to be one of those starters he's kind of been like that sixth man for the unit um and, the, you know, there's there's other guys there, too. I think when you look at Luke Tenuta, obviously he's going to be the guy entrenched at left tackle. A guy like Parker Clements, could he play right tackle or is he just going to be the second fiddle to Luke uh, Tenuta? So I think there are options there, and Tyrell Smith definitely has experienced leadership. I mean, look, he's been there for seven. This is his seventh season. He knows what Vance Weiss wants out of him. He knows what to expect from the playbook. And he's going to give it his all. And there's no doubt that, you know, he's a quality player to have there. I just don't know if, you know, as much as you can praise him for all the degrees he's gathered, for, you know, the leadership and everything else, I don't know if that translates into a guy that you want to have as your starting right tackle or just a guy that you want to have in the room that can bring everyone else along.
1: Yeah, definitely. Tyrell Smith, and I'll touch on him a little bit later when we do our player spotlights, but the fact that he hasn't seen the field for the previous seven years would beg the question as to what has changed between 2020 and 2021. But in terms of the offensive line as a whole, Doug, you're pretty certain about what they're going to bring to the table. Is it just a Vance vice factor? You think he can coach these guys up, or do you like what we got on the field already?
2: Yeah, I like what they have on the field already. You know, Matei covered right tackle pretty pretty well. And that's definitely a question mark what they're going to do there. But I I think they can manage with whether it's Smith or or Clements or Bob Schick, who, whoever gets involved there at right tackle, you know, um, if you look at the rest of the offensive line, I think they're going to be just fine. Barring injury, of course, depth is the other concern there. But when you go left tackle, Luke to left guard, Lasita Smith, center, Brock Hoffman, um, all those guys have started i think over 35 games already in their in their college careers i think that's as good a foundation to build a to build at least the first five um around as virginia techs had you know last year's offensive line was was deeper and obviously had the the um ceiling as a first rounder anchor in there but i I don't think tanuta smith and hoffman throwing johnny jordan to transfer add a little bit of depth in the middle there um i think that's you know, I feel pretty comfortable and confident that the offensive line is going to be, you know, above average to good from week one. And you know, go, going back many many years, that's not always been a, a a certainty at Virginia Tech. So I think, you know, as long as they can figure out right tackle to be serviceable to to decent, um, I think the rest of the offensive line is strong enough to be a, to be a plus for them this year.
1: You bring up Johnny Jordan. And the transfer from Maryland, I see some people projecting him as a starter, some people projecting him as a depth piece. Now, the interior of that offensive line, I think, is the strength of it in terms of what Virginia Tech has coming back. But Jordan was an All-Big Ten honorable mention at Maryland. Do you see him as a backup, or do you see him as a potential starter for anyone who wants it?
2: I'll i jump in. I, I think I think it depends on what they decide. Brock Hoffman's best position is. I think it's going to be very difficult to get him off the center position. I don't know if Johnny Jordan can play guard. You know, maybe he slides out the right guard, and Danzy slides out the right tackle. But um, you know, he moved into he transferred into a spot. You know, maybe it says something about what their plan with Hoffman is um, that they took Johnny Jordan out of the transfer portal. But um, you know, I think. I think it all comes down to Hoffman. He certainly could start. I mean, all Big 10 honor, honorable mention. He could be the center from day 1 there, but I guess it depends on what Vance Vice decides his best lineup is. You know, Hoffman could play tackle too. Maybe that's the solution. Um maybe he plays guard. I think it all depends
1: on that.
3: I think, the big, I think the big uh, question with, with Brock would be if you move Brock to either side or you even slide him out to tackle, which I think he is athletic enough to play, uh, is can he make the calls from there? Because you don't want to bring in a guy like Johnny Jordan and say you're going to be the starting center and you're going to handle all of the calls for the offensive line when you got here in June you know over a guy like Brock who's now been in the program for 2 years. He knows the calls, he knows what to do, he knows where the motions are, he knows the ins and outs of the playbook. So while Johnny I think could be plug and play at center, I don't know that you want to risk sliding Brock to one side to you I don't think you want to risk moving him to right guard. Could he play it absolutely, but I think you leave Brock there and I think Johnny Jordan is a guy I would compete with maybe a Silas or a couple of other guys at that right guard position. I just don't think that, you know, on the offensive line you want to be so cerebral and you want to be, you know, intelligent, you want to be smart and you you, you kind of have to know ahead of time everything that every player is going to do if you're making all those calls if you're at the center position. I mean, it, a lot goes on with it. You're not just getting up and blocking. You got to snap, you got to know the snap count. You have to know Uh, what the play design is, if you're pulling, if anybody else is pulling, all of that stuff. And I think that it would be kind of a, uh, you know, it it would be trial by fire hose if you were to change that in fall camp, in my opinion, with a guy who just arrived. So I think Johnny Jordan's best shot right now, uh, if, if I'm Vance Weiss, is working him hard at right guard and seeing if he can be that starter.
1: I think Matei made a fantastic point right at the outset of this conversation, which is that predicting how Vance Weiss is going to view his own unit is damn near impossible. <laughs> I, I think we could probably dedicate a full episode, maybe later in the summer, to just trying to project out exactly how we think it's going to be done. The offensive line has certainly been one of the strengths of this team in the Vance Weiss era, and One thing that hasn't been the strength is uh, catching punts on special teams. Evan, you're worried about that. Do you think it gets any better this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't put James Mitchell back there again. I know we were talking about getting the ball as much as humanly possible, but I wouldn't do that again. Um, You know, I think uh, that has been a glaring issue in in recent history. uh, of just simple punt returns. Even if you're back there and you fair catch it every time, it's better than what the product that Virginia Tech has put on the field fairly recently. You know, you got a couple of guys that could do it. Uh, You know, I really like DJ Harvey. I think if you pull a kid from California, uh, uh, a four-star by some services, you have to play him. I don't think there's any way you pull that kid and redshirt him for a year. So if you're going to play him, he'd be one of my top guys that I would throw out there immediately. I mean, he uh, he was a 2019, 2020 Cal Sports All Purpose Player of the Year, 3,300 all purpose yards in three seasons, and I think he's a guy you try to get him the ball, be a playmaker. Uh, Dwayne Lofton, uh, I think he's got a guy. He's a guy with a very, very bright future. Maybe if if uh, you know if slot is taken by Blackshear, slot is taken by Tavian Robinson, who can kind of play anywhere. You want to get lofted the ball, and make him be an impact player. I think he has an option, an option there. I think Raheem Blackshear, if he's not, if he's not the guy at running back, if he's not the guy at slot, maybe you work him in there too. Try to be a guy that can be elusive and be electric back there, or just put the most shorthanded guy you can back up there, have a fair catch on every attempt, and just, just uh, you know, take it where it lands. Uh, anything's better than the 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 muffs and the fumbles that Virginia Tech has kind of been plagued by uh, seemingly since Greg Stroman left. So it, you know they have to figure that out. you cannot that's got to be the worst turnover in football is is trying to catch a punt on your side of the field, muffing it, turning it over. and you're you know the statistics have to say that that the other team's going to be in scoring position. When they recover that punt, more chances or more often than not, if they uh, recover that muff, so they've got to do something there. They have to find a way to do that. I don't think it should be James Mitchell. I think he's a great athlete. Don't put him back there anymore. Utilize him only on offense. Don't don't even don't even try to risk him out there. He's going to be the focal point of the offense. But they have to find somebody that can be shorthanded, uh, and if the opportunity's there, turn it into a big play. And I think a couple of these freshmen they might be the guys to maybe get the call if their nerves can handle it.
1: You mentioned the importance of getting DJ Harvey on the field in some way, shape or form. And I think one of the strengths of this Virginia tech team right now is the defensive back unit. Does he have a legitimate chance of getting playing time as a traditional corner?
3: You know, I think that will all depend on how kind of how some things fall. You know, I think, Uh, when you walk into camp, I think uh, Jermaine Waller has to be one starter, assuming he's healthy. You know, if he uh, isn't healthy, like we saw last year, then you know all bets are off. But if he walks in as a healthy corner, he's he's probably one of the top four or five corners in the ACC. So he's going to shut down one side of the field, and then you have Dorian Strong, likely as the starter on the other side. Behind them, you have Brian Murray, athleticism. Uh, has played a little bit reckless, doesn't know, you know, I don't know if he knows the position as well as everybody else. Maybe he's playing on his athleticism a little bit, trying to get by on that. Uh, Armani Chapman, I think, continues to get better each year. Uh, And then, you know, you start getting behind those guys, and maybe you do have a shot. You know, maybe uh, DJ Harvey has a chance to maybe be that fifth guy. Maybe he can be a, a, a guy that cross trains with nickel as well be a guy behind Shamari Connor. I just think when you have to play the recruiting long game, you don't get your top-rated player from the West Coast to bring him and sit him on the bench. It's it's not a good look, and it's not uh, going to pay off for you in the long run. You have to find a way to get that guy on the field, uh, whether it's uh, backup corner, maybe some mop-up time if, if Virginia Tech gets that opportunity this year, special teams. You know he was a heck of a wide receiver. If you try to moonlight him there, like they did early with Greg Stroman playing both sides of the ball, either way, you know it's it would not be advantageous unless the kid is not ready uh, or is unable to perform. To sit him on the bench, you need to play that recruiting long game, and you need to to get him on the field uh, quickly. And if if he can handle it as much as possible, in my opinion.
1: And staying with the DBs, Evan, there's one corner that you're very certain about heading into 2021.
3: Absolutely. I'm all in, you know, I'm all in with Jermaine Waller. I'm also, I, I'm, I'm, really big on Dorian Strong too. I think uh, that was a very good evaluation. Both of these guys were by the Virginia tech staff, not overly heralded recruits uh, that have, have churned out good seasons. Now with Waller, there is the asterisk. Is he, is he healthy? And, uh, you know, can he play at that same level he played at in 2019? He, in 2020, we, I think we only saw him on the field. Was it for maybe one game, maybe two. He just, he wasn't healthy, uh, needed to take the year off. It probably made the DBs look a little worse. That also Caleb Farley wasn't out there. Those are two very talented corners. Uh, But if you go back to 2019, yeah, he, he had 10 starts, uh, three interceptions. Well, I think he was top 10 in the ACC for picks, uh, 13 passes defended, six stops. Uh, yeah, I think that he's just a guy that uh, he just has a, so much potential. He reminds me a little bit of a Brandon Faison because when you watched him on the field, he was always a little bit overshadowed by Caleb Farley. So, you know, Brandon Faison was the same way. Always seemed to be overshadowed by Fuller. So, you know, when you when you sit there and you look at Waller and what he's done, his production. I think being the guy now, you know, being that number one corner, assuming he's healthy, uh, he's got to be one of the best in the ACC, and he's he's a definite certainty for me, assuming that his health checks out.
1: Yeah, a, a potential player at the next level as well. It'll be interesting to see how his development. Continues, But, gentlemen, a lot of things that we have questions about and a lot of things that seem to be set in stone. But before we go, I want to have each one of you spotlight one player that you're really interested in heading into 2021. Matei, you can start it off.
0: I'm super excited about Jaden Payout. I would have said the same thing about last season, too. I think he's the X factor to the offense. Everyone looks at James Mitchell. He's probably the most reliable guy Tavion Robinson, Trey Turner, they kind of have their roles set out for them. Tavion kind of in the slot is able to play out wide is, you know, he is what he is. He's not the fastest guy in the world. Trey Turner, not the most physical guy in the world. But when you look at Jaden Payout, I mean, he's a guy that there was rumors that his connection with Braxton Burmeister in spring ball of last year that they were making things happen, touchdowns happen, uh, the long ball was alive again, someone to take off the top of the defense, and I think that's payout. It's it's speed. He's physical at 6'1 and 210 pounds. He's a guy that was jumping in a when he first arrived at campus. One of the fastest guys on the team, as I mentioned. Um, they came out with charts, and he was running over 22 miles per hour at some certain drill during the offseason. So... He's a guy that, over the course of this past off season, the one before, the time he's spent red shirting and out with an ankle injury that he's now fully recovered from, he's learned the playbook. He knows what to do. He's spent extra time working uh, with Braxton Burmeister, and I think those two will have a special connection um, for September third and beyond. And you know, I think he'll really establish himself as that number two guy. I think James Mitchell is obviously the number one guy. He'll get most of the receptions. But when you're talking about a guy that can change the entire feel of what a drive could be, it it has to be Jaden Payout.
1: Doug, who you thinking?
2: Yeah, I'm cheating a little bit by not saying just one player. I'm going to go all the safeties. Um, Keontae Jenkins, Devin Hunter, Ty Daly, I think – if you look at the defense, the rest of the defense is pretty experienced, and I think they feel pretty confident there. But I think the safety position is the one the one uncertainty there. When you look at Jenkins as a sophomore, played a little bit last year, and is competing now to be free safety. Hunter, obviously the guy um, who was who's, who's missed the last year, suspended, and then and then Daily, the transfer from Vanderbilt. I think that's that's the one position that you know you look at on paper that the defense um it's a big old question mark so i'm I'm looking for those guys all august see how that position shakes out when you when you have north carolina and sam howell waiting for you week one um you know that help over the top is going to be pretty critical to that game and so those are the guys that i think we just don't really know uh no idea how devin hunter is going to look keontae jenkins like i said Played a little bit last year and then kind of faded off. So I mean, he's still just a sophomore. Or a second, I guess he's still technically a freshman, but he's a second year guy this year. So um, we'll see. I think it's a big, big job for Justin Hamilton—not a not only as defensive coordinator but as safeties coach to get to get that position right. Um, you know, you look at Carolina week one, West Virginia week three, Notre Dame, and you know it's—I think it's week six, but game five. Those are three big games in the first. Half of the year that are gonna pretty much decide the season. If that's just, if that position isn't ready to go week one, like um, that, that, that could be it.
1: For myself, I gotta mention Tyrell Smith. now Tyrell Smith, twenty five years old, high school class of two thousand and fourteen. Yes, since Tyrell Smith arrived in Blacksburg, there have been three different presidents of the United States, but. It's been a long journey for him. He did a prep year at one of those prep schools up in New England. Then he came and he redshirted three years as a reserve, then a medical redshirt, the COVID year. And here he is at 25, playing with players who were finishing up fifth grade when he graduated high school. Now, he hasn't gotten much action on the field, but regardless of whether he sees the field this year or not, he provides something to this team, and that is being the team guy, the character guy, the culture guy. And Justin Fuente made it very clear. He is the favorite player in the Fuente household. That level of consistency is worth something. It shows the younger guys on the roster what we are about here in Blacksburg. And in my opinion, keep him as long as you want. Make him a coach afterwards. Because, I mean, is there anything left from the transition from the Beamer era to the Fuente era other than Tyrell Smith? I don't know. But on an offensive line where he can either a, hey, maybe sneak in there as a starter or B, provide great depth for an offensive line that beyond that top group is very, very young. Tyrell Smith is going to play a big role on this team this year, one way or the other. Evan, finish us off.
3: I'm going to say two things about Tyrell real quick because one, Tyrell has a perfect NIL opportunity with AARP. <laughs> I think that it would be the only college football player that could get that deal, would be him, and it would be the most unique thing. So, I'm rooting for that. Also, let's talk about how smart he is. Not the degrees. We all know that. He's been in school forever. He's got a bunch of degrees. He didn't play with the team this spring. People might be like, well, I didn't do that. He didn't do Colorado's. He didn't do off-season uh, strength and conditioning. He took his his veteran card and put it on the table, retired, went through all of Colorado's as a strength coach, and then said, you know what? Maybe I'll give it another go. I got a lot of respect for somebody that does that. He played the long game, uh, and I'm for it. Uh, but my my player to spotlight this year is, is true freshman, Dwayne Lofton. You get this guy out of Texas, you know, you look at his, his 2020 season, his COVID season, uh, 294 yards, a couple touchdowns. No, you know, nothing really stands out. Then you look at 2019, 2,000 yards of total offense, 32 touchdowns. Took his team to the state playoffs for the first time in forty years. I mean that that right there out of the state of Texas is eye opening. Then you look at what he did over his entire career: five thousand all-purpose yards, sixty-two touchdowns. He caught he, he had touchdowns receiving, rushing, returning, you know, and, and in the uh, the great Friday Night Lights quote of all time. And he can pass. He had four touchdowns passing. Love everything about the kid everybody's raving that he is a big-time player up in Blacksburg. I think he was a steal uh, out of Texas. You don't want to put all your eggs in that Texas basket, but he's one that they got to sign, uh, and it looks like they could get some immediate benefits uh, out of – you know, immediate fruits out of that labor. So, you know, I'm really high on him. He's my player to spotlight on the offense moving forward. I think the future is for him, uh, and I think he's going to play a big role this year, uh, either in the return game – or as a slot, maybe an outside wide receiver, but they're going to get the ball in his hands and he's going to make some stuff happen.
1: Yeah, man, it seems like every year there's one freshman that come media day, come when you finally start to get access to those players, there's one name that continues to come up, and Dwayne Lofton is certainly emerging as that guy this year. But gentlemen, great first episode of the 2021 season. Do you got anything to say to the folks at home before we check it out?
2: I think we're just going to bring you back for episode two. Definitely an upgrade over (laughs) Bate.
1: Agreed, agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, guys. I'm glad to be here and and looking forward to doing this all season long.
3: Appreciate it.
1: All right, folks, thanks for listening to Inside the Tunnel from VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, as I do on the regular radio. Evan, where can our listeners get more great content from all of you?
3: Yeah, vtscoop.com. You can come over and read all the stuff that I write whenever Matei decides he wants to write anything, you know, one, I mean, in a what quarter. is it, what is
0: this? Are we all just ganging up on me today? I mean, what's yep. going on? I just came 40%. back from vacation.
3: Or you Ready? can, uh, you can jump on and take a, take an hour to read all of Doug's in depth. That's what everybody comes for for, for Doug's articles anyways. They don't even come <laughs> from me. So come read Doug's stuff. Uh, you know, sign up first month is only a buck after that nine ninety five a month. Doug will get you hooked. If you like recruiting, we we got a lot of that coming your way.
1: Where else can you find deals like this? They're basically it away for free. But folks, I am Andrew Alex from Matasis, Doug Bowman, and Evan Watkins. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to Inside the Tunnel. Go Hokies. Should
0: you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller.